Life is about the yin and the yang. The two-stopper versus the three-stopper. And in this case, power versus Rossi. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Everybody say goodbye to Ben Isle, everybody. It was fun. Welcome <laughs> to episode 369. Nice. See, RJ was on the same page as me. Beautiful. Of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Trey Harrison. Good to see you as always. And uh, first up on this block of recorders, we're going to be talking about IndyCar and, well, the last of its kind for a little while at least sort of, the final time we raced at Bel Air for IndyCar's Grand Prix of Detroit, the uh, hangover after the 500, as I like to nickname it on many occasions, and boy, this was a fascinating, very different sort of IndyCar race, not the one we normally see out here, but I also think it made it very, very intriguing, we'll get into that in the next 40 minutes or so, but let's go around the horn real quick, first up, RJ O'Connell, hello sir, how's it going? As it turns out, you can have shit in Detroit. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't argue with that statement after this race, or in general, actually, you know. But uh, usually, all they have to go off is uh, coasting off the memories of sports teams that were once good when they were children, and now aren't so much. And Eminem. Eminem Eminem is more of an ambassador for Detroit than and and this is with the the grown up caveat that yeah Eminem's not the greatest dude but uh, I will take him twenty times out of ten over Kid Rock. (laughs) The the bar is subterranean here. The bar is in hell. But but you could still you could still clear the bar when it's in hell. Yeah, you know you got to start somewhere. And joining us as well, we have Ryan Eric King. Hello, sir. Yep, uh, gotta love being at Bell Isle one last time. It was a good, it was a good uh, twenty, what thirty year run. <laughs> it was thirty, wasn't it? Yeah, thirty years at Bell Isle. Um, I call it Mini Sebring for what it's worth because it was so damn bumpy, but uh, it, it was a fun one indeed. And yeah, wow, uh, this was an intense race, a strategic IndyCar race. We don't get, we don't get very many of these where it's a almost a pure strategy fight and it crescendoed beautifully at the end as uh you know we'll get into in a minute but uh, it ended up being two men who didn't get anywhere near making the far six and that was willpower and alex rossi both having ridiculously good drives to turn it into a wonderful fight for the win that we had that went down pretty much to the final lap of the race and just a second covering two very different, in fact, I'd actually argue three very different strategies that was on the podium over the course of the weekend, all on there at the top. And uh, yeah, it was, it led us to a fascinating race. We'll get into that. We'll get into Will Power versus Alex Rossi and that fight. We'll get into the curious times of McLaren because we have another piece of the silly season jigsaw confirmed. It was arguably the worst kept secret in IndyCar since about April. But Alex <laughs> Rossi is now officially a McLaren driver for next year and not in Formula One. <laughs> uh, so he's now to be confirmed over there is McLaren are probably expanding to three cars. We're not have, we haven't got the absolute word on that yet, but it's, it's looking quite likely. So we'll talk about a little bit of that and the ramifications that come with that. And we'll be talking about another current three-car team that are struggling a little bit as well. And I'm talking about Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, because it's uh, not going too well 
down that down there for them at the moment. But all of that is coming up very, very soon. But first up, let's check where you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport one oh one. We're on twitch.tv forward slash motorsport one oh one underscore. We're on Facebook.com forward slash motorsport one oh one. Twitter at motorsport underscore one oh one. If you want to find our personal handles, you can at Harrison 101 HD and RJ O'Connell at Ryan Eric King and C Buckley 9174 Cam. Hopefully, we'll be back for the MotoGP episode coming up next time round. Um, we're on our website, motorsport101.com, if you want to read even more about these re- this, this past weekend's action from me on the blog section. And of course, all our content is on there as well, including the links to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Uh, you can check us out on there for some early perks and some fun stuff on there as well if you feel like financially backing us on there, but if you're very, very generous like that. So. Gentlemen, let's get into IndyCar's Grand Prix of Detroit. <laughs> Okie dokie, folks. So, we all know by now that Detroit was one headlining championship fight in a hell in a cell. Thankfully, no t- no torn pectoral muscles involved. <laughs> shout, out, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to you, Cody. No, that, that was brave. It was a strategic warfare between... Willpower in the red corner. Willpower to stopping, starting from 16th on the grid <laughs> uh, after a pretty poor qualifier. He didn't get out of his round one group. It was the group of death on group two on that one, where pretty much all the big hitters were in group two, and Power did not make it out. And in the blue corner, Alex Rossi currently on a 0 for 43 run. Of winless performances in IndyCar, I still think it's incredible that he's gone 43 races since he last won. Uh, he was on the three-stopper, starting out on the alternate tyre, trying to racially race his way back through the field, not having to worry about tyre wear so much, but stopping three times. We had a phenomenal final stint from power. Now, to put into some perspective... He was on the alternate tyre at the end of the race. He started on the primary, coming to two stops. So he's gone, in layman's terms, hard, hard, soft. We said the softer would be good for about 16, 17 laps. He had to go 20 on them to win the race. Um, where Alex Rossi was gunning him down on the, obviously, the harder tyre, but also didn't have to worry about where he could push harder. Power had 16 seconds in hand on the final stint. And uh, Rossi gunned it down to within one second right at the end of the race. Power holds on for the win. Rossi finishes second. And uh, wowee, gentlemen, uh, what did you make of that fight? And what, what what a story for both of these two guys to get to this point here. Yeah. Um, obviously, Will Power had race one of the Detroit Grand Prix in the bag last year, and then he didn't. This was also <laughs> a single Detroit Grand Prix, by the way. We're, yeah, we're going no out with header. just one. Yeah, no doubleheader. Um but uh, it's generous to suggest that those alternate tires had 16 and 20 laps in them because really <laughs> they only had about five and then the cliff hit. You saw that in the first in the race. That's why Rossi got off those tires with as soon as he possibly could. That's yeah. why Joseph Newhart just fell through the field when Will Power was charging back from 16th on the grid. Uh, uh, RJ, you're 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 the new garden guy out of the three of us. Have, when was the last time you saw New Garden that despondent after a race, given how bad that initial stint was for him? Because I think he went 17 laps on his softs at the start, and he was pissed after the race. <laughs> yeah, ironically, 
Power executed the same strategy that almost won New Garden the other race of last year's doubleheader mm. uh, until it didn't. Uh, this time, Power just massaged those tires early on and made sure he had just enough left in the tank that Alexander Rossi couldn't catch him. Now, Will Power hasn't started a season off this high since he won the Indy 500. And I argue he hasn't started a season off this hard since he won the title in 2014. I don't ever think that there was a point in this race once he got the lead from 16th on the grid, I should be said, mm. when even when he had to finish on those bubblegum compound alternate tires, <laughs> I don't think there was ever a point where he didn't look like he had complete and total control once he got the lead. And now he leads the points. It's a slim lead, but this is the best he's looked in a long while. Which, of course, is a weird thing to say about a guy who's won at least one race for the last 16 seasons in a row now. What? (laughs) (laughs) Only Scott Nitson has a longer streak. Um, uh, Quell surprise. Of course. Everybody's talking about Will Power's brand new carefree attitude. And I I love this gradual evolution about many things of Will Power's character. Remember, he came in, uh, he came in from the champ car side of the split, meaning he was a beast on road and street courses and only serviceable on ovals but as he's gotten older uh as it turns out he is very very good at the discipline of oval racing uh he has also been an uncompromising competitor with a bit of a hot temper but now everybody is making this big thing about willpower being the zen master mr cool calm and collected and you know what it's working I never thought I would see the day that Will Power would be referred to as a Zen master. <laughs> like that, we have come full circle on William Power. It really is like, like life really does begin at 40, if that's the case. Because, uh, yeah, RJ spot on. The man had a knack of uh, being a bit of a hothead until then. I still think it's crazy that the man led 55 out of 70 laps in a race where he started 16th on the grid. <laughs> Here we are. Um, it's... It, the funny thing is, is that for me, I think the rumors of a, the talk of a redemption is a little bit exaggerated, only because this was like, like the, this was well, last year was like the first season where it really felt like Power might be struggling a bit. Like he wasn't quite, you know, super like Will yeah, Power. He had, like, ha- he had a knack of just starting off seasons like terribly. If he didn't get one win in the bag, he would always have like. Mm. One or two or several like backbreaking setbacks or retirements that would just kill any momentum he had of building a championship push. Yeah, a little bit of that, but I also think you know rumors of his demise were a little bit exaggerated last year, and you know this year he's been virtually flawless all year long outside of a 500 where we all know Penske have been pretty mediocre now for a good half decade. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I think uh, part of that to a degree is that. While he's had a really consistent year, most of the year has been in the shadow of his more streaky teammates who Mm. were able to bag race wins, but also consistently DNF, while he's just always racking up the top fives. Yeah, New Garden had a dreadful month of May, by by all accounts. Um, McLaughlin started white hot, has tailed off completely in the last three rounds. I mean, now what happened was with Scott McLaughlin, he, he missed a corner, right? That happens. And then trying to turn the car around, he gets stuck on the barrier. Oh, <laughs> it's like, uh, like 
he he was he was leading the championship going into the month of May. He's now tenth in the standings with Lockton after the last three rounds. It goes to show you how a bad five hundred could completely wreck your season. Um, because he's now in what I like to call the struggle club next to Colton Herter. <laughs> like it's it's not a good time for Scotty. But no, for me it's not so much about willpower because I've always admired how excellent a driver he is. And look, he he said himself it was his best drive in years. I'd be I think it's his best drive since he won the five hundred. I think that was an exceptional bit of driving, and that last that last stint was astonishing. It was sorcery what he was doing on those tyres at the end of that shift. Alex Rossi. It's nice to see Alex Rossi back at the front. Like, he he just makes things more interesting. <laughs> it, it's, it was like 2019 Alex Rossi had come back when this guy could win anything. Like, he had the form, the speed, the aggression to be able to, to, to win almost any race on paper if he was fully dialed in. And I know it's still adding to the dry spell, which now stands at 44, which is mind-boggling. It's now been 36 months since he won a race. It was Road America 2019, and that was like uh, three years and a couple of weeks ago. How on, It doesn't feel like it's been three years since Alex Rossi won an IndyCar race. It's That's gone true. really It's, gone it's not really like he's good. been slow either. No. No, he's had flashes of, of, of usual brilliance from Rossi, but... It's just not been able to get converted into a win. He's not been the best man on the day. But it's great to see Alex Rossi back up the front again. Like I said, he's one of my favorite dudes to watch in IndyCar. He's like a slightly more aggressive Pato Award. It's just it's just fun seeing him be a bit of a fly in the ointment and just wrestle a car up to the front of the field and see what he can do with it. Because, I mean, if we needed a reminder of just how relentlessly fast Alex Rossi can be. <laughs> Give him a free stopper, start him in the midfield, and just say, go race it, Alex. You know, just have some fun with it. See what you can do. And uh, within half distance, he'd overtaken, like, half the field in, in, like, half a dozen laps. He'd taken care of a new guard, and the next thing you know, he's the only man that could beat power for the win. It was... It was awesome. I, mean, I, don't know what, I don't know what you made of that, Feathers, but that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a pin in that because I, I wanna I wanna talk about it a little more because we're gonna talk about obviously the big thing that everybody was talking about regarding Alexander Rossi going into the weekend. But nope, solid drive, solid driving as part. Yeah, definitely a fun one. Definitely uh, a bit uh, some some balance to the force, and yeah, great to see him back up the front again. Shame again, shame it wasn't a win, but uh, look, he's going to arguably his best track next week. You know, this is like, he's very good at Road America. Like RJ, could you picture the scene? A straight dogfight this weekend between Joseph Newgarden and Alex Rossi at Road America. I'll be still my beating heart. <laughs> that's, that's, that's two of my guys right there. Just don't take each other out. Oh, <laughs> it's like King. That that might be your headlining heavyweight matchup of IndyCar this season because those two are stupid good round road America, and it's my favorite track on the calendar. I need this. Who do I have to sacrifice to make this happen? Uh, like, I don't know, Connor Dale. <laughs> Connor, you're taking the weekend off. Um, it's for the greater good. I promise you. You know, um, oh, we, we need this to happen because uh, that would be fun, to say the least. But uh, great to see Rossi back up there. And, well, 
we got a little bit more about Alex Rossi's future uh, coming off the back of this race. Um, because, like I said, it was it was the worst kept secret in this damn sport for a good two or three months. It was so bad that Palo Award was joking with him about it on TikTok during the month of May. <laughs> so the oh god, I, I love Palo for that, by the way. Um, but yeah, we got the confirmation on Thursday going into the weekend that Alex Rossi will be in the papaya orange of McLaren next year alongside Pato Award, and maybe one other car, probably one other car. It will be one other car. They're yep. ta- they were, they were at, they openly said, we're still evaluating Felix Rosenquist for our third car, but it could be somebody else. Mm. Of all so- people, Alex Pillow was being thrown at a suggestion, <laughs> uh, which Pillow over the weekend said, no, that is that that categorically is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> All you could see, right, if this was a visual medium, I'd just be having my fist pointed to the sky, shouted, FRIAR! (laughs) Immediately putting Pelot's name out there for no good reason. And, of course, then Tony Kanaan taking that ball and running with it on Twitter. Tony, calm down. Stop stirring the pot. It was was terrible. But, uh, yeah. Alex Rossi's confirmed uh, at McLaren next year. Again, we'll have three cars. We don't know who the third seat will be just yet. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, gentlemen, Polo. See, see, Jennifer, I said Polo. I meant to say Rossi. You see, you see what's happened here, Jenna? <laughs> but, um, anyway, <laughs> Alex Rossi now confirmed the McLaren for next year. I mean, I think it feels like a bit of a sidestep, but Andretti at the same time has been kind of underperforming, so I, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I don't know. What do you guys make of it now it's finally happened? Well, I think back to 2019, shortly after Rossi won that last race, and he signed that multi-year extension, which was not only being uh, positioned as Alexander Rossi is going to be the face of Andretti Autosport, Alexander Rossi is going to be the face of Honda racing in North America. Mm. And at the time, everything was going great. Alexander Rossi had come one race away from winning the IndyCar title two years after he became just the fourth rookie in the television era to win the Indianapolis 500. A life-changing moment for him. Uh, But for whatever reason, since signing that contract, he hasn't won an IndyCar race since. He's won a roll at 24 at Daytona overall in Acura, but no IndyCar wins. And, and as I mentioned, he's not like he's been slow, but it's a combination of self-made backlog. Remember St. Petersburg 2020 when he had that race in the bag and then mm. he got in the barbels and dropped it? No. Uh, no. Other times it's been mechanical failures. Other times he's been compromised early by poor strategy. And sometimes, like at Laguna Seca last year, it's a combination of desperation, uh, being on the wrong foot early. You know, you can look back at like the last handful of years of Rossi's time in Andretti Autosport, and you will see the craters left behind by all the cartoon anvils that have crashed right through the drop ceiling. (laughs) And then, of course, the complexion of Andretti Autosport has changed. Colton Hurd is now the face of that team. Romain Grosjean has huge international pull. Andretti Autosport have ambitions far beyond IndyCar now. I don't know if they're going to realize them, 
but it's mm-hmm. it's a different atmosphere. And I think Rossi realized in the middle of last year that something needed to change. And with nothing open at Penske, with nothing open at Ganassi, remember, after his first year, out Penske really, really were interested in this dude. Oh, they yeah. were interested in this dude like as he was coming off his last contract. But if they got nothing at Petsky, they got nothing at Ganassi. The only other team that's out there that on paper has the tools that Rossi needs for him to win his first championship and also his second Indianapolis 500, that's Aaron McLaren SP. That's the best Chevrolet power team in the Indy 500 this past year by a mile and a stretch. That's the team who just unveiled their plans for a brand new facility. This is a team that looks like they're serious about breaking up the three, the big three. And they've done that alongside Pat- keeping Pato on the books. And, you know, it looks like they're serious about this. And, you know, it'd suck if Felix Rosenquist couldn't have saved his job by this point. But, you know, that they're even looking at Alex Pillow and trying to poach him away from Ganassi. It feels like every move they're making is coming from a place of genuine strength. Chucking the 59,000 square foot facility they're building soon as well there, specifically for IndyCar. And uh, yeah, it's like it's coming up Millhouse down there, at least in theory anyway. I mean, for me, this is going to be a tricky one because... Um, <laughs> It still feels like a bit of a sidestep, and I'm not sure how Rossi is going to fit in that team with Paddock. Because I know, King, you talked about this when we were watching the race together, that McLaren likes their cars loose. That was a style that really suits Paddock so much so he's now been nicknamed Ninja and Fast Hands in, in, in the series because of how well he drives at that sort of setup, and... Like, I, I still get the feeling that he might be a number two in that setup behind Pato because he's just been so good in the series. I mean, does it feel like a side step to you, King? I'm curious to see how you feel about it. Um, it it does feel like a sidestep where Andretti have been the bottom team of the big three and McLaren have been the best team of everybody else. But it, it seems like McLaren have inherited Smith Peterson's ceiling where we've talked about this team in this capacity mm. for as long as we've been doing this show and talking about mm. IndyCar. Back yeah. from the Hinchcliffe and Wickens days. Oh god, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it it feels like they need to break through that barrier and mm. uh win one of the two major titles. Win an IndyCar championship for the first time or win the Indianapolis 500 for the first time. And it, it feels like for at least the series title, it, it feels like when I, I hate to use this term, but, but when, when you reach that time, when, when the, the, the final rounds of the seasons where you have to be quote unquote clutch, it feels like, McLaren or Smith Peterson always fumbles the bag. Yeah, I mean, they've had near misses in the last half decade. Pado Awards 
been top four in the championship the last three last two years now. He he was in the mix last year until I mean unfortunately uh, Ed Jones kind of ruined it for him at, at, uh, at Long Beach last year. They've come close at the five hundred. You know, like, like Palo's been you know top three, top four last two years. Um, you know. Wickens, the, the, before the horrible accident, was looking like a guy that could steer them to that promised land in the future. Even Hinchcliffe had a pole position at the 500. He had a genuinely fast car, and it didn't quite come together on race day. Simon Pagenaud has some good years at Schmidt-Peterson as well, let's not forget. Yeah, and, yeah, I, think, yeah I think it is actually pretty cool that like Rossi even addressed it like, hey, you're going to be working with Robert Wickens, and you open up as just like, yeah, we, we had this rivalry. We were at each other's throats, but you know, time has passed. Robert's an incredible driver, and it's going to be great to work with him. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting dynamic, certainly, and I, I'm fascinated to see how it goes because, like I said, if if someone can unlock that full potential out of Alex Rossi in the setup, then look out because there's no reason why he can't win the championship because we saw him do that with Andretti. Um, yeah. He's one of the few I call them three tool IndyCar drivers who can win in any format, win on any track or layout. And that's how good Rossi can be. But we've not seen that from him, not really in the last three years. Um, yeah. And I think I should mention, you know, with RJ mentioning Pagano at, at Smith-Peterson, statistically, that's still the best, the team's best season in terms of performance all the way back in 2013, where Pagano finished third in the championship only 69 points back of champion Scott Dixon. They nice. have not beaten that since. Hmm. So yeah, you know, it's it's they've been they've been banging on the door for, for, for so many years now. Like is like and it looks like with the McLaren and what they're bringing to the table, it looks like they might finally have, you know, the, the finances, the resources to me, maybe be able to punch through a bit more consistently rather than be the spotty team that they've been before. I mean, let's talk about the third car for a minute here as well, because this is also an, an, an intriguing one. Because what do you do with this? Um... <laughs> this is this because you know what? I don't know if he's noticed this, right? But we were talking about Felix's job a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And since then, he's gone sixth, fourth, and tenth. In his, his last three Is it races. enough? Has he done enough? Because, you know, Alex Pillow, red herring aside, Renus VK might be on the market. And, and, and Renus, who again is in a terrible run of form, besides his IndyCar qualifying run, because the race was dreadful, and then he, he put it in the wall on the final lap of the race here in this race, too. Yeah, um, he, th he threw away a top 10 finish. Like, I'm glad he's okay, but just like, I really get the feeling like Felix's start, Rosenquist is starting to turn things around. He is a past race winner. Whatever hasn't clicked before seems like it's starting to now. And, you know, I don't know, other than Marinus VK or Alex Pillow, who else you're going to get that has more upside? Which, of course, inevitably is going to lead to the discussion. Well, why not just stuff Dan Ricardo there so you don't have to buy out the last year of his contract? I don't think he'd do it anyway. Yeah, Ricardo's been very open that he does not want to race in IndyCar. Yeah, no ovals for him. Um, and he's going to see that as a demotion anyway. Yeah. Even if it's not, it it's just going to be like, 
I'm not good. You're not going to tell me to get out of the F1 seat, but then keep me in a series that has a, a far smaller platform than this. This is not a dig at the quality of racing an IndyCar. I'm mm. just trying to see what Daniel Ricardo's rationale, but I don't think it's going to be Ricardo. No. I would like to think that they will keep Felix Rose and Quist around on a one-year prove-it deal. Ooh, the one-year prove-it deal option. Spicy. Um, it's a tough one. Like, if you asked me this six weeks ago, I'd have said, if you can get Rina's VK signature, you tie that motherfucker down. Um as one of the potential future guys in the series that could be stupid good. Yeah. I'm not saying that Renus is that anymore, or isn't that anymore, but Felix all of a sudden is now back in the top 10 in the championship <laughs> with, nice. with a hot 500. That always helps. I've always said that it always helps because yeah. uh, Felix is now ninth in the championship. He's right around guys like McLaughlin, Rossi, and Pagano. That's a good spot for him. He's ahead you know, of Colton Hurt and Connor Dable and Scott McLaughlin. But if, if that's your flaw for McLaren, that's not bad at the moment. So I don't know. It's like, do you go with do you go with the hot hand in Renus VK, who you know could be fantastic for ten years, ten I'd years down, say, or I'd do you say, Felix? You're gonna have to wait to make an actual decision. Like we've just gotten through May, mm. and I'd say we'll know by the end of July whether. Felix is worth keeping or not, legitimately, because this is the part of the season where everyone's eyes goes towards the national championship, mm. the Aster Cup, and this is when the established teams really, really can twist the screws on the on the less established teams and start really getting their second and third drivers further up the standings. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, five has been and gone, and this is now the most congested part of the year. We're going to be like, oh, not so much now, but after Road America, we get we have a little break, but then we've got Mid Ohio, Toronto, both races in Iowa, you know, and then you've got the second race at Indianapolis as well, thick and fast. Remember, we, we raced five times in July and the first week in August, so you know. I think King's spot on. I think by the end of July, you'll have a much clearer idea of what you want to do with your team. But they need to hold out as long as they can, McLaren. I mean, I, I don't know. If they're eyeing up VK, I don't think anybody else is making a huge play for him at the moment. It's it's basically McLaren's call. I don't think anyone better than them is thinking about making a move for him. So you've basically, you have, you have the luxury of being able to wait on this a little bit. Though, I I do have to wonder mm. with, with where Pato's in the championship, where, like, are they going to consider focusing resources on Pato's a run towards a potential championship against, you know, maybe helping Ro Rosenquist adapt when he needs it most? Like, especially as one of the lesser established teams. Like, mm. winning... As, as much as we talk about the 500 with the maze fast, mm. uh, winning the championship is so much more difficult as as one of the outside teams. Oh, yeah. But the last time an outside team won the national championship was when Team Green won their first championship with Jacques Villeneuve in 1995. Oh, now, obviously now Green is Andretti Autosport, but Andretti Green wouldn't win another championship until 
you know, from 1995, they wouldn't win another championship until 2004. That is how difficult it is to win from the outside. Right. And Pato is 12 points off the top of the standings right now. It's a golden goose right now staring them in the face because Pato is driving just as well as he has the last three years in this series. Another guy that can win any race on paper. But do you raise your floor with Rosenquist as well? Because he's he's not far off a couple of other big hitters like Pagano and Rossi. It's looking like... we. It's look, I look at the standings right now, and, it's, and it's, it says to me, it could be a four-horse race between Power, Ericsson, O'Ward, and Polo. New Garden probably needs another win to get back in the hunt. Oh, yeah. Because- so does Scott Nitson. And Alexander Rossi and Simon Pagano, you know, with one win... They're right back in it, too. Mm. It's still early doors. I mean, yeah. Christmas. Jo- jo- Newgarden was <laughs> much farther out this time last year. Though, and we all know how that almost turned out. Yeah. Top five are still within around, still within one race's worth of points of each other. Newgarden's a bit further out, but you'd expect Power O Warden Polo almost definitely to be in this race all the way to the end. And if Marcus can keep racking up top fives, he should be in the mix as well. I'm not fully convinced on Marcus Ericsson yet for the overall championship, but winning the 500 certainly helps. Um, Just throwing that out there. Um, Yeah, it's going to be who can run this two-month gauntlet. Seven races, two months. If you could come out the other side and, you know, when we go to Nashville and you're within a race victory of the champion... You're, you still have a chance. That that last four race stretch like, mm. might as well be IndyCar's unofficial playoff where you do the Nashville Street Circuit, Gateway, Portland, then Laguna. Yeah. A little bit of everything. Street Circuit, Oval. Yeah, it's awesome. It, 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 yeah, you, like, you, you see it on the calendar, it's like, yeah, that actually really works. Now no, look at it. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's, it's fascinating to see how that will play out and yeah, but Rosenquist, O'Ward, Rossi is a free car fleet. You could do a lot worse than that, as far as I'm concerned. That lineup. If if Rosenquist's your floor, you're doing all right, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that that's a, that's a solid team by all accounts. It's not so solid at the moment. <laughs> RLL, everybody, Rahul <laughs> and Anakin Racing. Um, I couldn't help but notice the scoreboard after. Detroit and the fact that first man out in Detroit was Graham Rahal who uh, hit the wall and uh, took the escape road back to the pits that wasn't ideal after this race those three the three, the, the team that we hyped up quite a lot going into going through preseason we're so smart I know we, we, we're great at predictions here on this network I mean I don't know why you could ever not back us for anything in here those three guys right now are 15th 17th and 20th respectively in the championship right now and that's Rahul Lungard um, and Harvey in that order um, Rahul was first man out in Detroit as mentioned this was the big team that was going to get all the hype coming in you know the Free car expansion. They picked up Jack Harvey, who we knew was pretty damn good at Mayer Shank. Um, Lungard, there was excitement about him given his one off appearance in Indianapolis last year. And, you know, good Formula 2 record, probably a bit better than what it looked like because ART is cursed. Um, but it, are they starting to regret the free car expansion? Because 
they were a damn solid team last year when it was just Ray Hall and Sato. They were in the top 10 semi-regularly, and Ray Hall was still one of the more consistent dudes in the championship. They've gone to three cars, and it's slipped for them a, a somewhat. So, um, I, I I hate to say this, but Ray Hall Edmund Lanigan is what I fear McLaren could become. Because... Mm. While I mention Andretti Green and when Team Green won the championship in 1995, they eventually got to the point where they could continually win championships. Mm. Back then, Team Ray Hall or, or Ray Hall Hogan Racing, Racing won the championship with you know Bobby Ray Hall in in 19 in 1992. They have not won the championship again since, and they've continually go through uh, constant rebirth and revitalization saying that this will be our year being IndyCar's Brooklyn Dodgers where it's like <laughs> this will be our year there's always next year and this idea of being continual contenders and it seems like again this time just one of those times where it just didn't work out <laughs> it's, it's, it's feeling that way certainly because like it's easy to rag on Graham Rahal. I did some digging on this. Like, between now and the last time he was a major contender, because that was my first ever season watching IndyCar, when Rahal was this close to winning the title in that heated fight with Juan Pablo Montoya. And I still think Rahal throws darts at the ball with Christian Vortier's face on it. Um, <laughs> it was like, it could have been ass, etc. Since then... His average championship finishing spot is six point five. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, like that. Like if you're top six every year, you're one of the best dudes in the series. There's no argument there, as far as I'm concerned. He was top Honda in this in this championship for a good couple of years as well, which is definitely worth something. Um, sit like fifteenth is not Graham Rahal at all. It did not help that. Last year, they were super good at the 500. They, I mean, shit, they won the damn thing. And Ray Hall could have won the damn thing uh, if it wasn't for, you know, flying tire. Um, this year, they were nowhere at the 500. You know, Sato had, you know, was, was obviously gone. And, you know, Ray Hall was never really in contention. He was in the middle of the field. Lungard struggled. I mean, RJ, how are you feeling about this right now? Um... I want to I want to talk a bit about the new guys because remember um, mm. second race second race of the year second race weekend Jack Harvey has a practice crash that uh, get, that knocks him out of Texas mm. and no he's been clear to drive ever since then but I can't help but feel like it's not been all there since then I don't know what has happened that has brought Jack Harvey's stock so far down I mean. He was overachieving when Myershank Racing was still a part-time entry. Mm. And it just hasn't gotten together so far. And as for Christian Lundgaard, you know, each and every one of our rookies is struggling to some degree to put up results this year. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, he's, it's not been a strong rookie class in terms of just pure results. <laughs> I will say Kyle Kirkwood was on track for a good day until he hurt his hand. And... Damn. I, I, I feel like Kyle Kirkwood, I feel like he, he was on a stride day until he crashed the car. This is after he hurt his hand. Um, but Lungard's leading the rookie of the year standings just by having, you know, the least variance out of 
all the rookie drivers because Iowa's been hurt. He missed this last race. Kirkwood up and down. Devlin DeFrancesco is uh He's that struggling. Tatiana Calderon. And it, I, I hate this for her, but she's struggling. David Malukas, maybe the only other rookie other than Kirkwood or Eilat who has the kind of upside that strong can surpass Christian Lundgren. Yeah, strong weekend. The David Malukas revenge tour. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to think... I don't want to think that this is a case of a team that's stretched too thin because when they had three cars for parts of last season, they still look strong. I just don't know why they can't execute. Though I, I think there, while I did, you know, talk about Ray Hall's boom bust cycle, I think I, I, I don't want to be me being hopeful, me falling into that, you know, Dodgers feeling of there's always next year, mm. but there's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we know Harvey is a very confident driver. We know Lungard's oh, yeah. a confident driver. They have the tools. I, I think the big push for Ray Hall is going to be something that comes from outside IndyCar. The fact that next year, with the start of LMDH, they'll also be uh, essentially they'll they'll be the factory BMW team in IMSA, and I think there'll be some crossover, some the, the influx of talent and the funding that comes with being a factory program that you know has an effect as well on their IndyCar program and the mm. quality of, well, not only equipment, but, but operations that comes with that. And maybe sure. you'll help them out. Gray, you made a good point before this race, uh, before we started, mm. you know, do you think they missed Takuma Sato? And I know Takuma Sato's <laughs> not had a great start to the season, no. but you know, Takuma Sato could most weekends give Graham Rahal more than a run for his money and be that oh, yeah. supporting driver. Because remember, when Graham Rahal was running this team as a single car team, remember, it was just about 10 years ago when they were a 500 only outfit. Yeah. After losing their sponsors. I think Sato is definitely missed to a degree because part of winning the Astor Cup is having a good 500, and Sato has become one of the strongest 500 runners in the field. One of the strongest 500 runners ever, no matter mm. which way you slice it. And having that in your back pocket is always going to help. Like, that's, you know, 60, 70, maybe 80 points, you know, 100 in the case of when Sato won it last time out. That's a huge boost to any title campaign. And, yeah, Sato still was driving really, really well up until last year across the board. And he, he's a floor raiser. And some teams need a floor raiser. And occasionally he'd have these big days like in Portland where he could just win something out of nowhere. When Ray Hall hasn't for the better part of half a decade, which is really, again, really strange and Ray Hall's not won in recent times. But I think Sato is definitely missed. You, like, Lungard is still learning his craft here. We know Harvey is good enough, um, certainly. And I hope there's more to come out of that because it's... <laughs> They have the resources are there, the talent is there. You know, I still, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Ray Hall the person, but Ray Hall the driver, I've always said is very good. And I think a lot of people like to say he's not so good because he's not the most likable of characters. But 
I'd have him in my race team any day. He's a he's a great driver. Um, so you know he's a, he's a he's he's the, he might be the best floor guy in IndyCar, and that's not an insult. I promise you. Um, like if it's and that's a valuable thing to have in your back pocket, most certainly. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see this team, you know rate itself up and the king made a lot of good points that i didn't allude to regarding their future so hopefully it can translate into some better results soon just before we get out of here um gentlemen final race at Belle isle are you gonna miss it are you looking forward to the new track next year before we get out of dodge conflicted. literally <laughs> i'm conflicted because like mm. to me uh i'm not i'm not from detroit I don't have a full grasp on, you know, you know, the the inner working politics of what pushed this race away from Belle Isle and towards Renaissance Center in downtown Detroit. Um, to me, it always felt like Belle Isle was a street circuit that had a little bit of everything that a lot of other street circuits had, but that other street circuits could do better. Mm. I know that new Detroit track, which is using a lot of the streets that F1 used when they raced at Detroit in the early 80s, but it's not the same layout. It, it definitely looks a little bit <clears throat> Phoenix Grand Prix, shall we say? Yeah, you know, may, I'd say maybe it's better. Maybe it's better in practice than it is in theory. Like I'd say that it the Belle Isle circuit really complemented the other so so to speak street slash park circuits all along that corridor the saint lawrence seaway like in in pro cycling they uh they come to canada each year and they have races in quebec and montreal and they call it the laurentine classics and it was somewhat racing's laurentine classics where you have the grand prix at belle isle you have toronto indy and then montreal you have the canadian grand prix and those those circuits had their distinctions but they shared similar characteristics and it made racing in that part of the world have a somewhat familiar character <laughs> yeah that, I, I can't disagree with any of that i thought it was a fun track i liked the bumps i thought we gave it some character plenty of places you could overtake people pretty ruthless in terms of walls and barricades and it gave us a lot of fun moments, you know, Marco Andretti dancing through the rain, Carlos Munoz's one and only IndyCar win. We miss you, Carlos. Um, how, about, how about Greg Moore uh, winning on the last lap when both the PacWest cars of Mo Guzelman and Mark Blundell run out of fuel on the last lap? Oh, that was crazy. That was what, a, crazy what a good ass. Elio's first win, and he oh, had yeah. a chance to win again. It didn't work out, oh. but you know that he was up there in consideration was just like you know maybe Elio has one more bit of Bell Isle magic. Just didn't work out, but you know if any team is going to win the last one, might as well be Penske because they yeah. they were pretty much responsible for making this whole thing happen to begin with. Yeah, it's fitting, and yeah, as a result, hey, the last man that gets to road the fountain was a uh, willpower, and what a, and what a drive it was for him to do so. And we got his brother in the fountain. So everyone's a winner, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Um, yeah, IndyCar will be back down in a new track in Detroit next year, right by GM. Hey, just, hey, just wait. Yeah, that's the thing. If somebody wrecks the Corvette pace car this time, maybe they got spares at corporate headquarters. Maybe not. Who knows? 
it helps to it helps to be so close. Is all I will say. IndyCar itself as a series will be back this weekend at Road America. I can't wait. I love Road America. It's my favorite track in North America. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. It's my favorite round of the year. Oh, please give us a new Garden Rossi fight. Please and thank you. Um, I, I can't wait for that one. It's going to be awesome. That'll be around next week. But in the meantime, we'll get out of here. Um, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. One more time, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter and Motorsport underscore 101. Uh, Twitch at Twitch.tv forward slash Motorsport 101 underscore. Personal Twitters at Harris101HD, at RJ O'Connor, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917. Um, also, we're on our website, motorsport101.com, for all of our content, including written content as well, our reviews of all of the weekend's action up on the website as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next time around on the podcast for, well, I think it's one podcast. It might be two. It depends on what I'm looking at. Apparently, it's MotoGP from Catalonia. Could be one show, could be two. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, and, and Ryan Eric King. Until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs>